Romans chapter 10, and the Lord willing, we'll get uh, down to verse 9 this morning. And uh, really next week, we'll probably uh, overlap some of what we're going to look at the end of our study today with next week and so forth, as we just really are trying to look at God's word in its full context and so forth. And, uh, you know, just seeing these things flow together and so forth. Um, in chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, look at these are key chapters. They're huge chapters in uh, understanding even eschatology and end times things, as well as God's heart and mind towards natural Israel. And uh, kind of just give you the, the, the broad overview of these chapters. Remember, Paul is laying out the position of both Jews and Gentiles, past, present, and future. He's really educating Gentiles, and we're going to get more of that this morning, uh, in God's uh, plan in using Israel, that they were and are his chosen people who we use to be a vessel to bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that salvation is first to the Jew. Unfortunately, as was prophesied in the Old Testament, much of Israel hardened their heart against the Lord. And when Christ himself came, only a remnant of Jews believed. But through them, God birthed the church. And through them, the gospel went forth to the Gentile world. And many, many Gentiles came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in this church age that we are now in. And those Gentiles that come to faith in the Lord become part of spiritual Israel. They become spiritual Jews. But that does not discount natural Israel. And we know in these last days, God has reassembled natural Israel. We know that prophecy after prophecy is unfolding, even right now in Israel and the world today. And soon we are going to, you know, this, this world is going to enter into the great tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. And that's going to be a time when all natural Israel is going to come to that place of salvation. And so really these chapters are very key for the Gentile to begin to understand these things, especially the Gentile unfamiliar with the Old Testament. And oftentimes that's the case. But also looking in these passages, the Lord is ministering to the Jew. The ignorance of the Jews when it comes to the better covenant, the new covenant. And this morning as we get into our passage, we're really going to see the Lord wanting to bring education and absolutely insight to, as the title of our message is, Ignorant Gentiles as well as Ignorant Israel. We're going to see that it's the Lord's heart for all to be saved, especially for all of natural Israel to come to that place of salvation. And yet again, there's much ignorance among many Gentiles when it comes to that. And we're going to talk about some of those reasons for that, as well as give scripture to dispel ignorance that we would walk in God's word and God's knowledge and according to his heart and his mind. And then again, we're going to look at ignorance concerning natural Israel. Many believing in their zeal for God that they can establish righteousness through their works. And yet by the works of the law, no man will be saved. Righteousness is only found before God Almighty through faith in Jesus Christ, who atoned for our sins at the cross of Calvary, rose from the grave, that whoever calls upon his name will be saved. And in fact, at the end of our study here, we're going to see that. The great point that's being made in Romans 10 is that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's neither Jew nor Gentile in Christ. Look at God's plan of salvation is through his son. And gloriously, we're going to see this morning, this isn't some great mystery. This isn't something that's unattainable. This isn't something that you have to go to the heights of heaven to find or the depths, you know, of the, the deep to find. But the Lord is right before us. And through the confession that Jesus is Lord and the believing in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. And it's just glorious, the gospel, the good news. And absolutely, again, we want to pray that that's preached this morning and every time we gather together. So let's read our text together. Chapter 10, we'll read verse 1 down through 9 and then dive into this. Um, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. 
For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend to the abyss. That's to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised from the de- raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe that this morning? Can we say amen to that? So notice here, uh, again, the first verse. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer for God, to God for Israel, is that they may be saved. Now, again, we've established in this, and yet we want to go back to it this morning so we know who is being talked about here. The Bible speaks of natural Israel as well as spiritual Israel. Again, this morning, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of spiritual Israel. Indeed, if your heart has been circumcised through calling upon the name of the Lord, then you are a spiritual Jew. Notice Romans 2, 28, 29. And we went through this earlier in our study in Romans. It says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision that is of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. We know that through faith in Jesus Christ, that we are sons and daughters of Abraham. Even if, uh, again, your ethnicity is not a Jew or an Israeli or a Hebrew, we know that Abraham really The nation was birthed through him. We know that he had lived on the other side of the Jordan River, that he was an idol worshiper, and the Lord called him, you know, to the Holy Land. And then God gave him that promise that through him, a mighty nation would be birthed. And through that nation, the promised Savior of the world would come forth through Israel, that remember that all families of the earth would be blessed. And here we are all these years later in this place here on Portola Road in Atascadero. And we are blessed this morning through God working through Abraham, through Israel, bringing forth the Savior of the world. And our blessing ultimately is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning in Christ, you need to know that you're a son or a daughter of Abraham because ultimately, again, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And this morning, we believe God. We believe in Christ Jesus. We've called upon him. We've put our trust in him as our Lord. And so it's accounted unto us righteousness, our right standing with God the Father through the work of the cross. For Abraham, it was in faith of the coming Messiah who had atoned for the sins of the world. So we need to know that this morning. Again, we are spiritual Israel through faith in the Lord, but... God has not finished working with natural Israel. Again, this is where a lot of confusion comes with a lot of individuals. They think God's just done and wrapped up with natural Israel, and that is not the case. Look at God has sustained ethnic Israel, natural Israel for the past 2,000 years, despite her being scattered over the face of the earth as was prophesied. And in these last days, he's regathered her as a nation as was prophesied. And that land that was barren is now once again a land bursting forth with milk and honey. And we just see Jerusalem itself even being a cup of trembling in the world today. So much focus on this little nation and its little capital as was prophesied. And we see us headed towards a one world uh, government and economy and religion as was prophesied and assumed great tribulation as was prophesied. And again, through that, all Israel, that remaining remnant will come to faith in Jesus Christ. And again, it comes up over and over in scripture. That's who Paul is speaking about here in the first verse. He's not talking about the church here. He's not talking about spiritual Israel. In fact, you wouldn't need to pray for spiritual Israel to get saved. Guess why? We're already saved. 
If you're already saved, you don't need to get prayed for to get saved. It's not like youth group when the kids get saved every week, you know. When's the youth pastor? Who wants to get saved? Yeah, all their hands will go up every single week. Like, okay, am I doing something wrong here? Or are they just really wanting to be saved, you know? We are saved in the Lord and we have a security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, we saw Romans chapter 9 at the beginning of this, you know, at section here that Paul was speaking of natural Israel. I got nine through five there that talks about this, but you know what, key in there on verse three where he says, my countrymen according to the flesh who are Israelites. And it's Paul longing for their salvation. Paul even saying, if I could be cursed that they would be saved, I would take that, but it doesn't work that way. In fact, Jesus was cursed for us and took our curse that we could be saved through faith in him. But it just shows that Paul had the heart of the Lord. And so that's who he's speaking of. And then he goes on to, again, bring education to the Gentile and to bring illumination to natural Israel that Christ came through them, even despite her hardness and absolutely stiff neck and so forth through the ages, God was faithful to his word. So again, his heart, he's saying, brethren, you know what? Sisters in the Lord, brothers in the Lord, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And let's remember, Paul is writing this under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is the Lord's heart. It's first of all, the Lord's heart for all mankind to be saved, to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that clearly in the scripture. We know that the Lord came not just for a few, but in hopes that all would come to him. Now he knew before who would come to him, but he went to the cross to make the way for all to come to him. Simple as John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Context there means the inhabitants of the earth. For God so loved the inhabitants of the earth that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, and the word whoever there means everyone, anyone, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we see this reiterated throughout the word. Notice 2 Timothy 2.1. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men. So Paul's here saying, I'm praying for Israel. When he wrote to Timothy, he says, we need to pray for all men, for kings who are in authority, that we can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And then notice verse three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And notice who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then notice there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified of in due time. Christ became the ransom of your salvation. He paid the penalty of our sin. Indeed, he redeemed us. He paid the price that needed to be paid so that we could go from sin to salvation, to being separated from God, to being reunited with God through the work of the cross. And we receive that when we call upon his name and truth and we ask him to be the Lord of our life. Is that not good news? And so it's his heart that all would be saved. And then listen, it is specifically... And I will use this word, especially God's heart for all of Israel to be saved. And that doesn't lessen his heart for all of Israel or for all the Gentiles to be be saved. But again, we know that he used Israel and salvation is to the Jew first. And we see chapters like this where again, Israel is specifically being spoken of. It's God's heart that all natural Israel would come to the faith of Jesus Christ. This was the Lord's heart. We looked at this verse several times here in Romans, but we'll go back to it there in Luke 13, 34. It's in Passion Week. The Lord's about to go to the cross. He sees the Jews, for the most part, rejecting him outside of a remnant, and he laments for him. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing 
Are you willing this morning to be gathered by the Lord? Let's be willing. Let's not be unwilling. Amen. And then he says, see, your house is left to you desolate. And as surely I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He had a heart to gather all Israel. And he said, you've rejected, you've rejected, you've rejected. And thus the Lord in his prophesied plan brought forth the church. And the age of the Gentiles, the time that we're in now, but make no mistake, that time is going to come when all Israel calls upon the name of the Lord, when all natural Israel will be saved. And the Lord knowing that, and Paul knowing that, and the Holy Spirit knowing that, burst this deep desire on Paul's heart to pray for all of natural Israel to come to that place of salvation. So we see the Lord's heart in this. We see Paul's heart in this. But let me ask you, where's your heart in all of this? Do you have a heart, a burden this morning for all to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you this morning, if that's not your heart, your heart is out of alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in that place of, well, I want most people, but I hate these people and I don't want them to come to the Lord. They've hurt me too bad, or I don't like their politics or whatever. That is not the heart and mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to see all come to know him. Oh, Lord, give us such a heart. Give us such a burden. Look, at we need to watch our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And this morning, if you've hardened your heart to individuals, if you've hardened your heart, again, to segments of our culture and so forth, and you're like to hell with them, that is not the heart of the Lord. The Lord went to the cross to make that way of salvation, that even if on their deathbed they would cry out, oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, he would meet them where they are and save their souls. And really, look at if you take God's grace away from us, we're in the same boat that they're in. So Lord, give us such a heart. Can we say amen to that this morning? Give us such a burden for those that need you. And I'll tell you some key ways to do that, to get that heart. It goes on in Proverbs there about turning away from wickedness and evil. Let's not use God's grace to glorify sin. And then notice Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desire of of your heart. Why? Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, your heart's going to align with the Lord's heart. That's how it works. So is that your heart for all? I hope it is. And let me ask you more specifically, is this your heart for natural Israel? Do you have a burden for natural Israel? Do you have a heart's desire for natural Israel to get born again and saved? Do you pray for their salvation? Look, at we're in the New Testament here. Some people say, oh, that's all Old Testament stuff. God's done with Israel. You know, wipe your hands of that. Good riddance. No, 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 no. God used her to bring forth the Messiah, the Savior. We know all Israel will be saved. And God's heart for us is to be praying for the salvation of natural Israel. It's Paul's prayer here as the Holy Spirit is moving upon him in the new covenant. I hope that's your heart. Because I'll tell you, when you even walk with that heart, there is even just more blessings that God bestows upon you. Can you believe that? There's even more blessings that God who blesses us daily and loads us down with daily benefits wants to give to us. It's bonus points, you could call it, you know? Notice again, God speaking to Abraham. Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you. Paul is blessing Israel and praying for salvation. And then he tacks on, I'll curse him and curses you. And boy, there's a lot of people running around cursing natural Israel. They don't have a fear of God when they're doing that or they're completely ignorant. But that's why we're in the scriptures to get educated and liberated because the Lord said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then notice Psalm 122.1, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. And here's Paul praying for their peace because really, unless you get born again, you got no peace. You just don't have it. I think there's probably a bit of a practical prayer in this, but more so, look at when I pray for the peace of Israel every single day, I pray for her salvation. I pray the gospel will go forth through Israel 
absolutely through our community to everywhere where there is a, again, descendant ethnically of Abraham that they'd come to the Lord. And look at it, it doesn't discount my prayer for the complete you know, at population of our community and even this world to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't take away from that at all. Now listen, Lord, lay this on my heart to speak of it. Sadly, this is not the heart of many. Even many who say they're followers of Jesus. They don't have a heart for Israel. And I think there's some different reasons for that and I want to address it. And listen, if like it shine on you in one of these reasons, I encourage you, don't dust that off. Do something about it because this is as clear as can be right here. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Is that your heart today? What are some reasons? I'll give you four reasons. And there's probably more. Four reasons why So many Gentiles, even Gentile believers, do not have a heart to see all of natural Israel get saved. Number one, it's simple, it's ignorance. Look, there's so many Gentiles. There's so many American Gentiles. They think the Bible revolves around the United States of America and we're gonna speak English in heaven. Look, you know what the number one, uh, if it's not number one, it's gotta be top two or three question that comes up when Bible prophecy, you know, it begins to get talked about. Where's America in the scriptures? It's under G, we're Gentiles. That's it. Oh, we're not there, we're gonna go down. I don't know, I don't know that. But the Bible, again, does not revolve around the United States of America. Praise God, we're a blessed people this morning through Israel and God working through Israel to bring forth the Savior of the world. But ignorance, and again, kind of our mindset is, well, it all revolves around us. So there's an ignorance when it comes to that. There's an ignorance with so many Gentiles. And when I say ignorance, we're not saying stupid here. It just means you don't know. So Now that you know, you got to do something about it, right? And if you don't know, now you know. Look at this, it's talking about Gentiles who don't understand the Old Covenant. They're not familiar with the Old Testament. I ran into so many people, I never knew the Old Testament, I never understood it. You guys teach the Old Testament? Wow, I'm getting so much out of the Old Testament. Yeah, because the New Testament's built on the Old Testament, they go together. People run around, they don't even understand how God worked through Israel and all the promises that he gave to her. So there's an understanding. In fact, there's even some false teachers in the world today that say, we need to unhinge ourselves from the Old Testament. Just kick that to the curb and we'll just move forward without that old, Old Testament, you know? You can't do that. You know, in fact, the Lord says, if you take away from my word, I'll blot your name out of my book. So not a good idea to unhinge yourself from the Old Testament. But ahead, and we've looked at this in Romans eleven twenty five. look at the heart of the Lord here. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. And he's talking about Israel's salvation, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. A lot of opinions get thrown out there that's called wisdom that's contradictory to God's word. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then notice here, again, New Testament here, verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved. Isn't that really clear? Again, as we've been in our end time study the last two years, it all revolves around where? Israel. Where do we see the Lord coming back? We see him coming back in Israel. We haven't re- read about, you know, the, 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 the valley of, of, of New York or Los Angeles or whatever, Paris. Or, look at it. It revolves around Israel. And all Israel will be saved. Natural Israel is what we're speaking about here. The deliverer will come out of Zion. Uh, will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And again, we go back to this often in Matthew 24 when the Lord was asked about the end of the age of his second coming. He pointed them right back to the book of Daniel. You gotta understand the book of Daniel to understand end times things. And it's a dangerous thing when Gentiles begin to read about end times prophecy and they're completely unfamiliar with the Old Testament. 
And they just start coming up with stuff that's just unbiblical. They think the, the tribulation revolves around the church. When it doesn't, it revolves around the nation of Israel. Seven years reserved at the end of the age for God to deal directly and, you know, uh, very clearly with Israel to bring them to that place of salvation. And we know there's going to be a remnant left in that time that's going to come to faith in the Lord. So number one, look at ignorance. And if there's an ignorance there, then get educated through the scripture. Like, how do I do that? Well, go read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 like five times and you'll get educated. Secondly, look at this happens through false teaching. There's a lot of false teachers in the body of Christ and the Bible said that they would abound in the last days who promote something called replacement theology. Just about every cult in the world preaches replacement theology Unfortunately, there's also a growing number of Christians, and I'm not going to say someone's not saved if they teach this. They're ignorant, though, or just out of touch with the scriptures, replacement theology, where they say we're not only spiritual Israel, but we're also natural Israel. And all those promises for natural Israel, they're ours now. Look at many of the wars that have been fought in the name of Christ that Christ had nothing to do with were done from this mindset. This idea that we are here to conquer the world, so we're gonna go do it in the name of Jesus Christ and we will put sword to throat. And there's been a lot of that in the history of the world. Taking promises given to natural Israel when they were supposed to cleanse the land of Canaanites who again were at that place of judgment and God was using Israel to judge Canaan, taking them upon themselves again saying those are our things. Well, you better be wearing that because in Revelation 2 uh, verse 9 and 3 verse 9, it talks about those who say there are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. That's a satanic doctrine to say you are natural Israel when you are not natural Israel. For the church to say we're natural Israel now, not just spiritual Israel. God's done with natural Israel. All those promises are us, ours. God's done with them. That's a satanic doctrine. And I'll show you why it is here as we continue down the list. We don't want to be part of that. Again, the scripture is very clear. Again, Romans 11, 25 through 27 that we just read is very, very clear. All Israel will be saved. I don't understand the mystery in that or the confusion that comes upon certain individuals and groups when that, when it's as clear as can be. Look at number three, the third reason why this often happens or it can happen. And maybe with some people, it's a combination of these things but quite simply prejudiced, or I don't like the word racism because there's only one race, the human race, but you know what I mean when I say that. Individuals that just have a hatred for certain people, groups, and cultures. And I've always found when individuals walk in that, they think it's a sign of strength, but really it's a sign of great weakness and insecurity. Usually it's individuals that are isolated against other people groups and so forth and they fall into the lie of judging individuals by stereo stereotyping again maybe the worst of an ethnicity or a tribe or a culture and they say well they all must be like that don't do that like that's that's ignorant as well Again, and what you find oftentimes with Israel is, well, those Jews killed Jesus, so all those Jews are evil. You ever hear anyone say that? It's those Jews that did that. Look at it. It wasn't just those Jews that did that. It was us, the Tascadarians and Centrocostians that did it as well. Christ died for our sins. Jesus willingly went to that cross. Oh, those Jews, they did this to him. The Lord said it was going to happen. The Lord allowed that to happen. No one took the Lord's life. He laid down his life for our salvation. So if you got that mindset, all oh, those Jews, look what they did. Your sin put Jesus on the cross. My sin put Jesus on the cross. And the Lord willingly went to the cross. He could have, at, his, at one word, brought down legions of angels and just wrapped this whole thing up. And I just encourage you, if you walk in any sort of prejudice, you need to crucify that. 
Listen to what the scripture says, Acts 17, 26. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Why? So that they should seek the Lord and hope they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. One blood. You want to overcome prejudice and racism and ignorance and all this nonsense? You want to overcome it in your own heart? Then get in the truth of Scripture. There's one blood. There's one blood. We all descend from Adam and Eve, and there's one blood that will save you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And look at real science backs all this up. Oh, but we evolved at different times and so forth. Utter nonsense, those are satanic doctrines without a shred of evidence. It's imbeciles trying to explain away God because they are trying to harden their heart to the conviction of the Holy Ghost telling them, you better repent or you're gonna go to hell. Oh, I, don't, I wanna enjoy my sin. I got an idea, we came from a monkey. You know what? Utter nonsense. And then lastly, listen, and I'm sure again there's other things. Ignorance, false teachers and doctrines, prejudice, and also an antichrist spirit. How many times where you find anti-Semitism, you're gonna find an antichrist spirit? Because throughout the scriptures, from the time Israel was birthed to the second coming of Christ, you see Satan wanting to destroy Israel. Now there's example after example of this. I'm not gonna read it, but in Revelation 12, there's a vision given really of, of, of the history of mankind. And what you see in this vision is Satan, who's a great fiery red dragon, who is wanting to devour this woman with 12 stars above her. It's Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, who gives birth to the savior of the world, trying to destroy Israel. Why in the Old Testament was there such an effort to try to destroy Israel? Because Satan knew if I can destroy Israel, I can prove God a a liar, the Savior won't come, and all mankind will be damned. And then in the New Covenant, Satan's still wanting to destroy Israel. Why? Because Christ said, I'm going to sit on the throne of David and rule over Israel for a thousand years. So if I can destroy her now, I'll prove God a liar. And if God's a liar, everything falls apart. You see it from Genesis to Revelation. And yet you see time and time again, God intervening and God making a way against all odds, you know, preserving and bringing forth his plan. And I'll tell you along the way, Satan has used many little antichrists, and then there's going to be an ultimate antichrist who's going to want to try to destroy Israel. But God's plans always prevail. Is that not good news? Because again, it's his heart to see all natural Israel get saved and all at natural Israel will be saved. I won't read it all, but there in Jeremiah 30, he's talking about the great tribulation. And in verse seven, he says, alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. And at that time of Jacob's trouble, he shall be saved out of it. Jacob's trouble is the time of the great tribulation, especially the second half. And yet God's gonna save Jacob out of it. Again, all Israel will come to that place of salvation. They'll look, there'll be a jealousy even in them. God says that he's grafted in the Gentiles and the church to broke a jealousy in Israel to bring them to that place of acknowledging Jesus Christ as Messiah. That's verse one. Uh, verse two, we laid a lot of foundation there. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And they did, and they have a great zeal. Many still do. Paul had a great zeal. When he went and persecuted Christians, he had a zeal. He believed he was doing that unto God. He didn't believe the, he didn't get, he was ignorant to the fact the Messiah would hang on a cross. Bible says, cursed is everyone hangs on a tree. You know, no doubt. How can that be the savior of the world? And then when he came to Christ, his eyes were illuminating. Whereas I'm a sinner, I needed someone to be cursed for me, that my curse could be removed, that I could have salvation. And there's a great zeal even in much of natural Israel today. And again, you see it, you, you, you can see it around the world. You can see it in Israel when you go there. You go to the Wailing Wall and you see all these Jews gathered there with their hats and their ringlets and all their outward garb and they're, you know, they're praying God and so forth. 
And some people say, look at that, isn't that glorious? And on one hand it is because God's regathered her, but on the other hand it's grievous because none of those things save them. That religion doesn't save them. Going under the law can't save you. They're walking with a zeal towards God, but not according to knowledge. And did not Jesus said, you shall know the truth and it will set you free. They lack that knowledge. Even though God told them in Jeremiah 31, 31, Old Testament, that I'm gonna give you a new covenant. He said, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And he goes on about talking about writing his word upon their heart. Again, circumcising their heart. And then in verse 35, he says, And thus says the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinance of the moon and stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and the waves roar. If these ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the sun came up today. So again, he has kept Israel intact and all natural Israel will get saved. And if you doubt that, you need, I need to get illuminated. Go out and look at the stars on the moon tonight. Go take a, tr- a, a trip over to you know, the beach and you'll see the waves roaring and so forth. And God's saying, look, at as long as this is here, my heart is for Israel to see her get saved. But they were, again, they had a zeal, but not according to knowledge. They were under the law. And again, the law was a shadow. Jesus is the substance. And this sets up a little bit of where we're going. Colossians 2.16, let no one judge you in food or in drink regarding festival, new moons or Sabbaths, which are the shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Look at the law that was given to them. It was all about teaching them about Christ, teaching them as well that they can't keep the law and they need Christ, the laws fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in Hebrews 10, verse 9, he takes away the first, that the second, he may establish the second. By that we we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So he brought the law, but he's taken it away or he's fulfilled it in Christ. The law taught them about Jesus. Jesus has come. Jesus is the way of salvation now. They have a zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice verse three. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Again, we talked about the ignorance of Gentiles. And now you look at the ignorance of many Jews. They being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And what's going on here? They're trying to get established right before God through their works. We're good enough. I can keep that law. I can keep all these Sabbaths. I can keep all these do's and don'ts and festivals and so forth. The purification and everything else. I can do it. You can't do it. (laughs) There's not a Gentile that can do it. There's not a Jew who can do it. There's only one who died for Jews and Gentiles who did it. It was Jesus Christ. God's standard is perfection. It's not, well, I almost made it doesn't matter you break one point of the law you break it all they can't keep the law no one can keep the law in fact notice romans 320 therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin the law shows you you're a sinner the law shows you you don't measure up to god's standard it's a tutor Again, Galatians 3, 24, therefore, by, therefore the law was our tutor, our teacher, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And then notice, but after faith has come, we're no longer under the tutor, we're no longer under the law. So again, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's really the blind leading the blind. As Jesus talked about in Matthew 23, he called them blind guides who strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. Don't be following blind guides. Look, at, I, I get a little bit of a red flag whenever I hear someone calling themselves prophet or rabbi. I get a red flag with it. Because oftentimes, again, if you're a prophet, you don't need to tell anyone you're a prophet. Let, let me get, it's like, I'm a tough guy. Look, at, if you are, we, you don't need to tell anybody. It's obvious, it's apparent. And again, though, a lot of these guys pop up, I'm a rabbi. 
Maybe they are, I don't know. Rabbi just simply means teacher, but oftentimes with it comes extracurricular activities, tacking things on to be saved. It's a dangerous thing. Look at our righteousness is as filthy rags, Jew and Gentile alike. Isaiah 64, six, our righteousness as filthy rags. So let's not be led by the blind, but instead let's submit to God. As he says here again, they haven't submitted to the righteousness of God Almighty. Paul, who was a Jew of Jews, Paul of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, Paul, a member of the Sanhedrin who was exceeding his contemporaries in his advancement in Judaism, came to that recognition I am just a stinking sinner. And he cried out in Romans 7, 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He didn't say, I got it, I'll keep the law and be delivered. No, he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Anything about the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee, I'm glad I'm not like other men. I do this, that, and the other. I'm not like this fellow over here. He says he prayed to himself where the tax collector wouldn't lift up his head and see, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord said he went away saved. You wanna get right with God? Submit to Jesus Christ. Call upon his name. Confess that you're a sinner. And if you tack on keeping the law at all, we'll get into it here in a second. It's a false gospel. And let me give you another encouragement this morning. You've submitted your heart to the Lord. Look at Keep submitting it to the Lord. Keep submitting areas of your life to the Lord. Don't be in that place where, say, grace gives me the liberty to take this unto myself. Yes, we're not under the law and we have liberty and grace, but why would you want to take upon you something that will destroy you? Listen to James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Are there areas in your life this morning you need to submit to him? Do it. Look at right standing, right living before God is so much better than anything else out there. Verse four, hear this this morning, hear it clear. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Again, before we came to Christ, we were under the law. The law deemed us guilty. We were under wrath, condemned to hell. And there's no get you know, get out of hell, go to heaven card for any Jew or Gentile outside of Jesus Christ. Know that this morning. Gentiles need to be educated in that as well. They go, oh, he's a Jew, he's going to heaven. If he doesn't know Christ, he's going to hell. I say that as one who is a Jew himself. I am not going to heaven outside of faith in Jesus Christ. My laws can't save me. Keeping God's law can't save me. My ethnicity cannot save me. It is only Jesus Christ that can save my soul. And praise God in Christ, we're no longer under the law, but under grace. It's the end of the law for righteousness. I don't got time to get into it, but 1 Timothy chapter 1 talks about the law being for the ungodly, for the insubordinate. And yet he talks about teachers of the law, and he says they don't even know what they're doing. Because people take the law and they say it's Jesus plus this, this, this. Jesus plus you got to go to church on Saturday. That's a false gospel. You want to put your hope in that? That ain't going to save you now because it's Jesus plus a little bit of you save you. It's Jesus plus I go to church on Saturday. Now, if you want to go to church on Saturday to worship God, praise God. Go to church on Saturday and praise God. But if you're doing that to have right standing with God, that puts you under a different gospel in a different place. So in Christ, the law is over. So don't get bamboozled by Judaizers or over-the-top Hebrew Hebrew roots individuals that start tacking all this stuff on. Notice Colossians 2.20. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men now hear this these things have the appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion false humility the neglect of the body but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh 
And there's a draw by people. It's a prideful draw. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not just a Christian. I'm this kind of Christian. I do these types of things. They make me a little bit more spiritual. And yet in Galatians 5.1, we read, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Again, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he'll be a debtor to keep the whole law. You become estranged from Christ. You attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. And then again, this is where some people say, but yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm a messianic Christian. I think it's okay to use that title. I, I think that's glorious. But if it's said with a little pride, if it said, well, I'm a Jew, I'm a believing Jew, so I'm above these Gentiles and so forth, nonsense, hogwash. Look at in Christ, we are all one Jew and Gentile alike. And we got to put down that ignorance that says anything different. Notice Romans 10, 11, later in this passage. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is over all, over all is rich to him who calls upon him forever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Galatians 3, 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. God used Israel. The savior came. So Jew and Gentile alike can put faith in Jesus. God made covenants with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God in his goodness has not forsaken them and again has preserved Israel that all natural Israel will come to a place of salvation. But Jew and Gentile alike, we are only saved by faith in Christ. And when you come to faith in Christ, the law ends for establishing righteousness. Righteousness is found in him and him alone. So here's the thing. Instead of boasting in Jewry or in, you know what, Gentilism or whatever, let's boast in Jesus Christ. Let's boast in the Lord. Instead of living under the law for righteousness, let's start living for Christ by faith. Because it's interesting when you get into Galatians and it talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing in there about the law. <laughs> It's love, joy, and peace, and gentleness, and kindness, and self-control, long-suffering, all these things, these fruits of the Holy Spirit, where we're abounding in the Lord, where even God rebuked the Pharisees saying, you know, you kept these things, but the greater things like mercy and justice and so forth, you ignored them. Because the law never brings forth the fruits of the Spirit of God. It just doesn't. And here's the thing, again, they could never keep it. Now notice verse five, and we'll close this out pretty quick and we'll come back to a lot of this next week. He says in verse five, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. So in other words, if you go under the law, you gotta keep all of it. It can't be Jesus plus I go to church on Saturday, now I'm saved. You add that on, look at you gotta keep all of it. You have any shellfish lately? Is your shirt mixed garments? Got a tattoo on your body? We got some problems here. How's your beard looking nowadays? Do you send your wife away for a week, once a month? I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. Well, I keep the Sabbath, so every seventh year you don't work. You let your garden feed you, and you know, well, you know, hope we get some squash out there, you know. Can't plant it, but I hope in our 10 by 10 we can feed our family here, you know. We can't. The law shows us we're sinners. And Moses says, look it, if you go under it, you gotta keep all of it. That's a tall task, can't be done. The law will just show you you're a sinner. Failed there, failed there, failed there, failed there. Jesus did not fail at any turn though. And even in the context of this, and you know, back in the law and Ezekiel talks about it, they were to go under it, but they couldn't keep it. They rebelled against it. Notice verse six, he says, but the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. That's to bring Christ down from above or who will descend to the abyss. That's to bring Christ up from the dead. And what he's saying here is that 
righteousness isn't this unattainable thing. It's not this mystery. Again, Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14 speaks of this. It's where it's quoted from. He says, I command you today, uh, for the commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor far off. And he says you have to go to heaven or down to hell. Look, at salvation is the thing where if I climb to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, then maybe I'll find salvation. Or if we go down to the depths of the sea, maybe we'll find it there. What do we have to do? Where do we have to go? No, no, no. What to say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised from the dead, notice, you will be saved. And that's to the Jew, that's to the Gentile. It's near your mouth, it's in your heart. Again, obtaining salvation's right in front of you. It's a matter of crying out to the Lord. It's that tax collector again who said, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's that thief on the cross hanging there when you think, where does he have to go to get this? If he could just get off that cross and go so high or go so low. No, he recognized, I'm a sinner. I deserve to be here. Jesus has done nothing wrong. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He acknowledged he was a sinner. He acknowledged Jesus Christ was Lord. And absolutely, he called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, surely you'll be with me this day in paradise. We don't have to bring Christ down or bring him up. He's already came. He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the law. He was buried. He rose from the grave. He atoned for our sins. And again, whoever calls on his name will be saved. This is the gospel. Read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. It's the gospel. He died according to the scriptures, was buried, rose according to the scriptures. And if you believe, you will be saved. And Paul says, this is the gospel which we preach, the word of faith which we preach, and it better be the gospel that we preach as well, amen? In fact, in Galatians, speaking of these same matters, he says, if we preach any other gospel, let us be accursed. Any angel, any of us, let us be accursed. There's not an exception for a certain group. Well, that group, though, they're more special and they're, you know, they're 95% Jews, so they get to preach a different gospel. No, you're going to be accursed. Or this group over here, you know, they came out of certain circumstances and so forth, and they've melted all their culture beliefs there and obtaining salvation. No, you're going to be accursed. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone that we have salvation. Don't be tacking nonsense on. It's not cute. It's not good. It's not to be tolerated. It's not okay. It's through him and him alone that if we confess with our mouth or we confess with our person, Jesus is Lord. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father in heaven. And hear this, not that he is the Lord, but that he is your Lord. Remember last week, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say? See, we read in James, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you believe? And if you do believe, there's gonna be evidences that you believe. Your confession's gonna go beyond your mouth. It's gonna be seen in your life. Not in keeping the law, but in, hear this, loving the Lord. Loving the Lord. Abounding in the Lord. We confess him, and then we believe. In our heart, God raised him from the dead. To believe means you put your trust in. You recognize I'm a sinner. Jesus died for my sins. And God resurrected him on the third day to defeat sin, death, Satan, and hell. I believe in that. My salvation is through him and through what he has done for me. We'll get more into this next week. And then he says here, you will be saved. Did it say you might be saved? We'll get your DNA out, check your ethnicity, and maybe we'll see, oh, he's part Canaanite. No, not him. No, none of that. You will be saved. Isn't that not good news? The assurance of our salvation. As Jesus said in John 6, 47, most assuredly, or verily, verily, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Do you believe in him today? He's good, is he not? Listen, let's stand up. We'll close in prayer. Worship of the Lord.
Heavenly Father, we bless you and give you glory, Lord. We just thank you for your person and who you are. We thank you, Lord, that it's your desire for all to come to that place of salvation. I hope we all know you in this place this morning, God. I hope we've all called on your name. And indeed, God, I pray that we could abound in your truth and in your word. We'll know the truth and it will set us free more and more and more, God. And if you're here today, you don't know the Lord. You've heard the good news. Look at the bad news is we're all sinners. We're damned to hell in our sin. God's not bringing rebellion into glory. But Jesus has made the way. Again, Jesus took the wrath through me and you upon himself. He paid the penalty. He stood in our place. And then he conquered the wages of our sin death so we could have eternal life. Have you called on him? Do you believe in him? Have you put your trust in him? Look, at ask him to be your Lord. It means he is my Lord. I look to my Lord. I follow my Lord. I love my Lord. I cry out to my Lord. Oh, he wants to meet you where you're at. Call on him even now if you don't know him. Ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. Tell him, I believe you died, you rose. I put my trust in you, God. Oh, he takes great pleasure in saving sinners, Jew and Gentile alike. All heaven rejoices. We rejoice as well, Lord, in the preaching of the gospel and your great goodness. And Lord, we want to rejoice now as we finish. Let's worship the Lord here. Let's lift our voices to him.
Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless.